Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Well, before we begin the program today, I'm going to pause and remember two well-respected, iconic private investigators that we lost from our midst last week. Sadly to say, Ron Watkins Sr. from Texas and Roger Smedlin from Michigan were lost to us. Um, both of these men spent untold hours further in the field of private investigation and teaching the rest of us, and they will certainly be missed. Their influence will be missed, as well as their friendly faces. Also, my dear friend Fred Jackson of Richmond, California, recently lost his battle with cancer and has gone to a better place. A prolific author, musician, and screenwriter, Fred's presence and influence made the world a better place. So, in honor of Ron Watkins and Roger Smedlin, it's only fitting that we'll be talking today about the birth of private investigations. So, grab your coffee, put your feet up on your desk, or your footstool, or whatever you have. And we're going to talk about the birth of private investigation. Have you ever heard of the Pinkerton National Detective Agency? The Pinkerton Agency predated both the CIA and the Secret Service. They actually provided the model for the FBI when it was formed in 1908. Seasoned private investigator Ray Pizold is here to tell us about the man, Alan Pinkerton, and the agency, Pinkerton National Detective Agency, that founded the private investigation profession. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Ray. After a stint in the U.S. Navy, Ray started an investigation and consulting company in 1976. Then after 27 years in the business, he joined Pinkerton Consulting and Investigations in 2002 as the manager of investigations for the Rocky Mountain region. He graduated from Denver's Metro State College, and he's also a graduate of the American Institute of Applied Science, Civil and Criminal Identification and Investigation. Ray's a teacher. He's an author. He's been featured on numerous television news stories and in the print media. He co-authored Basic Guidelines for Executive Protection. He assisted as technical advisor on three Emmy Award-winning documentaries, including one called I Know You, an ABC News documentary that examined the use and access of legal and public sources of information. 
Ray holds the designation of certified perfection. I can't say that. Certified protection professional by Azas International. Welcome, Ray. Welcome, Francie. How are you? I'm good. Ray and I just saw each other on Saturday, so <laughs> it's not like we haven't talked for a while. So, uh, Ray, how did you decide to start an investigation agency right out of the Navy? Well, I came out of the Navy, came back to Denver, was getting a degree in criminology, and went to work for a security company. And the, the security company had an investigation unit, and uh, long story short, I ended up working for them as a investigator and eventually became manager of investigations. And then one day they made a decision, a corporate decision that was really in my best interest that said, we're not going to work for any cases that are not uh, insurance related. Hmm. And we'd, uh, we'd done about $2 million a year before and had not worked an insurance case. So I went to the boss and said, who's going to take care of these people? He said, they're going to have to find somebody. Hmm. And I saw that as an opportunity and gave my two weeks notice, quit, and made phone calls and said, guys, I'm still here. This company's not going to help you, but I will. And, and, when, you, and when you talk about insurance cases, Ray, what are you talking about? They were working primarily uh, insurance fraud. They were working primarily workers' comp type cases. Uh, that was their decision that that's the only type of case they were going to work. And we were working primarily corporate fraud investigation, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, I know you don't want to talk about any of your personal cases, but can you just t- tell what you kind of specialized in uh, other than the insurance um, investigations? Sure. Absolutely. What, we, what I actually started working with when I, when I took over – the investigation company informed my own company at that time. Uh, most of our work was corporate investigations. I actually had business cards that said, I don't work for attorneys or private parties. And, and I didn't work for insurance companies because I knew that my previous employer worked all insurance cases. But our clients were fraud, uh, internal theft, uh, inter- uh, intellectual property cases, anything that uh, corporate America had a problem with. That's what I did, and it made an, e- an easy transition for me from uh, working for a major company to running my own company. Uh, I went out and got a license in Colorado and, and became a private investigator and had to learn business at that point because I knew investigations. It was the business part that got interesting and put that together and started working, and most of my clients were corporate clients at that time. That's great. Well, it, interesting you should bring up licensing because after that, you got licensed in the state of Colorado. That's correct. And after that, Colorado lost the licensing law for private investigators, and it just was voted back in uh, on a vol- as a voluntary law this year. That is correct. Yeah. Professional Private Investigators Association worked uh, diligently to get that handled and brought back in. And they did a, they did a fabulous job. And so that, that uh, law will be go into effect next year. Is that correct? That's, I believe it is, yes. Okay. I think the governor is going to sign it. It will go in next year. I know Colorado people are very excited about that, as well as investigators across the country, because uh, unlicensed states affect all the rest of us as well, exactly. uh, negatively. So we're happy about that. Thank you. <clears throat> so, um, so let's talk about the Pinkerton National Detective Agency. 
um, okay. and Alan Pinkerton. Tell me about them. <clears throat> well, once I got into investigations, I'm one of those people with a, a natural curiosity. I like to know everything about the industry that I'm in and about it. And I, when I give talks on this, I always say anybody can be next, but only one can be first. And and that was Pinkerton, Alan Pinkerton, and uh, started back in uh, 1840s. I guess he came to the United States. Uh, he was from Glasgow, Scotland, and he through a series of accidents. Actually, he he ended up getting into law enforcement, and he decided that there was a way. He hated to be he hated to be ruled by county lines, state lines. He wanted to be able to work everywhere. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was the first detective to work with the Chicago Police Department and the Cook County Sheriff's Office. He was very frustrated because when the criminals went across the county line, he had to stop. He couldn't chase them. So he quit, uh, formed a, an agency with his brother. It was originally called the Northwest Police Agency. Hmm. But uh, as a private party, he figured he could cross those lines. He could go across county lines, and he could go across. And uh, their first client was a, a brand-new cartage company called Wells Fargo. And hmm. they are, they're still working for Wells Fargo today. Are they really? They, yeah. That's so that, that's, a, that's an old, old, old relationship. Uh, they later changed the name to the Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been through several different changes since then, and now we know it as Pinkerton Consulting and Investigations. But Alan Pinkerton was a, a visionary. He was he was not a saint by any means. He was a person that believed in getting the job done. Uh, when he was catching bad guys, that's what he wanted to do, and and he tried to find the best way to do it. And he he really was able to do that through what he did. He he uh, formed an agency that. One of his first clients was a railroad. When hmm. he went to the railroads, he said, you guys are crossing state lines. You guys are crossing coast to coast. I want to work for you. And an interesting, an interesting agreement was put together in February of 1855. And you've got to realize in 1855, this was a lot of money. He put together an agreement for $10,000 a year that the Pinkerton Company would provide or keep on hand uh, those forces necessary to protect the railroad. That's one of the first contracts they wrote. And uh, that was quite a bit of money in 1855. So I'm I'm visualizing them on horses following the the Wells Fargo uh, trail. Well, they they the, worked on horseback, obviously. Yeah. They also worked on the stagecoaches, the mm-hmm. Wells Fargo stagecoaches. They also worked on the trains. They would put together uh, rail cars and put the horses in the rail cars. Uh, robbery became a big thing where the, uh-huh. the James brothers and Butch Cassidy and some of the other people learned in the military uh, or with the, the Quantrell Raiders, which was a big group during the Civil War, learned how to take down trains. They could stop the trains. They could take, uh, rob the trains. So Pinkertons actually rode on the trains, Pinkerton agents, and mm. uh, attempted to stop the robberies that way. Interesting. That's, that's fascinating because, you know, those of us that grew up with uh, the cowboy movies, <laughs> you can visualize exactly what they were doing and, um, on the trains and, and uh, on their horses and so forth. 
Well, the, the, the title of the talk that I have given is from the 1969 movie, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Who are those guys? Mm-hmm. And they kept asking that question throughout the movie. Who are those guys? And I think that uh, that was probably one of the, the, uh, the most important things. Who are those guys? And I think we need to know who those guys were. They were the people that really started our industry. Uh, we talk about they were predecessors to the, to the Secret Service. Pinkerton mm-hmm. originally, when he came to the United States, was a barrel maker, a cooper. And he got his start in law enforcement, if you want to call it that, uh, was working, trying to find wood to make barrels and discovered a camp where counterfeiters were working. Went to the sheriff, gave him the information, and they worked together to stake out the camp and, and ended up arresting a group of counterfeiters. Hmm. Today, counterfeiting is handled by the Secret Service. Interesting. Uh, there was a plot to assassinate the president. Uh, Alan Pinkerton found out about that, the new president, Abraham Lincoln at that time. Mm-hmm. And a group of Southern sympathizers were going to attempt to waylay a train coming into Washington, D.C. Uh, Alan Pinkerton contacted the necessary parties, was able to work with Abraham Lincoln and spirit him into Washington, D.C. undercover. Uh, again, Pinkerton is protecting the president, and I think that job is also done by the Secret Service today. Yep, certainly <laughs> so, is. Certainly uh, is. And then, then you said you were telling me that it provided the model for the FBI agency um, exactly. when they were founded. Yes, well, Alan Pinkerton, again, was working the entire United States. He was working everywhere he could get a contract. And Alan Pinkerton was a kind of a visionary in the area he believed in intelligence files. Pinkerton agents in their spare time would collect files from published magazines, newspapers, etc., and, and put those together and study those. So it created intelligence files. He also created one of the first use of mug shots, where instead of using um, the old Bertrillian system, which allowed people to take measurements of, of criminals, they actually took photographs. All right, photographs- Ray, this, excuse me, this is a good place for a break, because I want to get into this a little bit more. Okay, sure. uh, that's, that's Private Investigator Ray Peasalt. Stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. 
NCISS, and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're discussing the birth of private investigations today. My guest is Ray Peasold, a historical expert. Ray, you were just talking about mugshots and how uh, Alan Pinkerton started using mugshots versus the former way. Could you describe that a little bit more? Sure. The, the former way, and, and when you study criminology, they talk about the Bertillon system. And the Bertillon system took measurements of people. So when you would find somebody, when you would arrest somebody, they would measure their height and their weight and the distance to their index finger and several things. Well, that was all well and good, but you really didn't see them. And Alan Pinkerton decided with the advent of photography and cameras and that type of thing, why don't we take photographs? Mm -hmm. So he started taking photographs and collecting photographs. And uh, they were one of the first companies to actually maintain files of photographs, mugshots as such, and put those together and started using them. And, And, detectives, the agents for the Pinkertons, when they weren't out in the field working, they would study those photographs to try and remember who these people are and to hmm. put it into their mind. It was, we don't do that today, but that's the way they did it at that time. Interesting. Well, I, I thought it was pretty interesting to read the Pinkerton Code. Do you want to give that, Ray? <laughs> well, the Pinkerton Code is actually very long. <laughs> that's but, okay. Uh, but there are there are portions of it that uh, that I talk about. Uh, Alan Pinkerton believed that we did not work for uh, defense cases. We did not. Uh, we didn't work uh, cases that involved scandal. We did not work for um, political figures. Hmm. We did not accept 
rewards. He believed that his agents were paid well enough. Uh, a couple of the things came back to business. He said that we will keep our clients advised of what's going on at all times, and we won't raise our rates without advising the client in advance. Mm-hmm. So these were these were things we we didn't we always partnered with law enforcement, and we didn't deal with criminals. He he believed that uh, uh, the making a deal was not a good thing. He basically worked with law enforcement and was and was uh, the type of individual that believed if you were doing something bad, you needed to go to jail or be prosecuted. And he didn't uh, work with it. And I still talk to clients today, and we talk to them and discuss some of the things that we do, and particularly defense cases. I get calls from attorneys who are saying, well, we're a defense investigation company. And I say, well, we don't work defense cases. Well, who made that decision? Alan Pinkerton in 1850. You know, that's, that's what I can Interesting. tell them. Interesting. Still, still, Pinkerton doesn't accept defense cases. No, we do not. Interesting. Well, I love Alan Pinkerton, the, the uh, quote on his headstone that says he is a friend, this is a quote, a friend to honesty and a foe to crime. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, he's buried in Graceland Cemetery in Cook County, Illinois, in Chicago. And in that same cemetery is headstones in the, the Pinkerton plot. And when I, when I saw this, it was very interesting because there's a headstone to Timothy Webster, who was a, uh, an intelligence and an espionage agent, a spy, if you will, during the Civil War, to Kate Warren, one of the first female private investigators. And there's a headstone to the employees of the Pinkerton Investigation Agency. And I, I read that, and I'm like, wow, you know, what is this? Well, it comes back to, like, the CIA. The CIA has uh, a memorial to those unknown agents that are working for the agency. Pinkerton did the same thing. He put up a headstone to the employees that are really not identified and has his own. We as employees have our own headstone in, uh, in Graceland Cemetery. Really? So. Hmm, that's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the, way, that's the way I thought about yeah. it when I saw the headstone to the employees. Huh? Yeah. I am those people. <laughs> All right. Um, so you talked, you said, mentioned the um, Pinkerton investigating the railway case case where they uncovered the plot to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. Um, didn't Pinkerton, wasn't Pinkerton already also brought in when Lincoln was assassinated at Ford Theater? No. He wasn't brought in to the, do the investigation? No, he kind of inserted himself into that case, but what happened was, Alan Pinkerton was, during the Civil War, he worked with General George McClellan running an intelligence operation for the Northern Army. Uh, for the the Army of the the Union, mm-hmm. and when General George McClellan was summarily dismissed by Abraham Lincoln, Alan Pinkerton submitted his his resignation at the same time. And at the time, uh, intelligence gathering operations were not done by the Army; they were done by the generals. And when General George McClellan left, so did Alan. And ultimately, the protection function was taken over by the U.S. Army by a man named Lafayette Baker. And when he was assassinated, when President Lincoln was assassinated at Ford's Theater, uh, Alan Pinkerton was not even in the area and was not working at that time. And he, there was, he always said that was one of his biggest regrets, that he was not able to save Lincoln because he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had basically resigned and, and had left and was not working at that time. 
And the army ultimately captured John Wilkes Booth and and uh, actually investigated themselves. Well, he, uh, Pinkerton, of course, has a um, historical, and Alan Pinkerton has a historical long list of of things. But can you talk a little bit about the first woman investigator, Kate Warren? Uh, yes, Kate Kate Warren was a, an interesting person. There are no photographs of her that we've been able to find. Kate Warren walked into Alan Pinkerton's office. She came in, said, I want a job. And Alan Pinkerton said, I'm not hiring secretaries. And she didn't take that personally. She said, I'm not here for a secretary job. I'm here for an investigations job. Uh-huh. <laughs> Alan Pinkerton thought about that and said, I have no female investigators and went ahead, hired her as a female investigator. She was one of the first female investigators. She was involved with the Baltimore plot. She was involved in intelligence gathering operations. The Baltimore plot was the plot to assassinate Lincoln. Right. Okay. That was the tra- the railway Right, the railroad case. Uh She was also involved with intelligence gathering operations during the Civil War. Um, She was one of those people that collected information from uh, Confederate sources. She was a very, very skilled uh, private investigator and one of the first female in private investigators. Hmm. Do you know what year that was that she joined Pinkerton? you have any idea? Um, Right off the top of my head, I do not. Okay. Um, but it's uh, well over a hundred years ago. We know that. Oh so yeah, that was yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was I was just figuring out. So eighteen fifty. So we're like one hundred and fifty one years. One hundred and sixty one years. One hundred and sixty one years. Okay. Yeah, this was nineteen eleven or two thousand eleven. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, so Pinkerton got involved then with uh, you mentioned. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but also with the James Brothers. You want to talk about that? Sure. The James Brothers, and, and there's some there's a little black eye here for the Pinkertons, but the James Brothers came from Quantrell's Raiders. They were a member of Quantrell's Raiders during the Civil War. There's a large plaque in my office, a hand-lettered plaque that lists all of Quantrell's Raiders. In the bottom of it talks about the fact that this was a major source for robbers and and train and and stagecoach hold-up people. Uh, It included uh, uh, Bloody Bill Anderson, Frank and Jesse James. And when they came from Quantrell's Raiders after the war, they decided that holding up stagecoaches and holding up railroads would be a good opportunity. And Pinkerton had the contract to protect the railroads, so needless to say, they ran into each other. And... Jesse James and Frank James uh, were living on a farmstead in uh, Missouri. And at one time, they got information, Pinkertons got information that there were, um, the James gang were at this, the, called the Samuelson Farmhouse in Kearney, Missouri. And they surrounded the farmhouse, requested that everybody come out, and they didn't do so, and somebody, and the Pinkertons have been blamed for it. Pinkertons state that they didn't do it, but local law enforcement didn't take credit for it. So the Pinkertons are being blamed for it. But somebody threw a smoke bomb into the Samuelson house in an attempt to get people to come out. Uh, 
one of the cousins of Frank and Jesse James, a man named, or a, a small kid, actually, Archie Peyton Samuel, saw the smoke bomb and thought it had fallen out of the, the stove and put it back into the fireplace, and it exploded, killed him, and blew off the right arm of uh, Zerelda Samuels, who was Frank and Jesse James' mother. Hmm. And that happened in 1875. And the James brothers were community heroes. They were kind of like Robin Hood. So it played very badly to the Pinkertons. And they, uh, obviously we know that the James brothers were never caught, that uh, Jesse James was shot by uh, Bob Ford, one of his own people, to collect the reward. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Pinkertons chased him when they were chasing down a railroad. Interesting. Interesting. All right, we're going to take another break, Ray. Uh, more about how the field of private investigation got started in a moment. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. 
Ray Peasel, the veteran private investigator and historian, has been giving us insight into the founding of Pinkerton National Detective Agency and, of course, private investigation as we know it today. Ray, we've mentioned uh, Butch Cassidy. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about that case a little bit because that was uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance was something that Alan Pinkerton was on the trail. Exactly. This is this was a case that when I when I first started with the company, when I first went to work for Pinkerton I, and I was looking at a lot of the marketing materials that we were using, they always referred to Butch and Sundance. And, and I made the comment to somebody, I said, why do we advertise this? Because we never caught these guys. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, to me, that seems like a failure. And somebody told me, they said, well, we, we ran them out of the country and they went to Argentina and Bolivia and, and et cetera. But if you know the story from the movie, uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford were Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but they were actually two real people that existed. Uh, Harry Longbaugh was the Sundance Kid. Robert LeBroy Parker was Butch Cassidy. After the Civil War, they formed the group called the Wild Bunch, uh, the Hole in the Wall Gang. They uh, terrorized the railroads and and even stagecoaches and banks all over the Colorado, Montana, North and South Dakota area, and they were very well known. They ran a a very successful robbery gang, and probably the best story from the Pinkertons is a classic photograph, and I think everybody's seen this photograph (laughs) of the, the five members of the Wild Bunch sitting in a photography studio, uh, there's, uh, the Sundance kid and, and, uh, Ben Kilpatrick and Robert Leroy Parker, Will Carver and Harvey Logan. And they had actually taken a vacation, if you will. Uh, they had gone to <laughs> Texas. They, uh-huh. they were taking time off and they'd all gone out and bought new suits. So they went to the photography studio and had their photograph taken and, <laughs> They didn't like the photograph, so they didn't pay for it. And the photographer, he, he liked the photograph, so he put it in the window of the photography studio. And the story is that a young Wells Fargo agent was walking by the photography studio and saw the photograph, and he recognized the people because he had been stuck up by them. <laughs> and he, he recognized them as, these are the guys. Nobody had photographs of them. Nobody, nobody had really been able to capture their photograph, but... Here's their photograph in this photography studio. And the Wells Fargo agent went to uh, another Pinkerton agent and told him that this is a photograph of the Wild Bunch. And the Pinkerton agent went into the photography studio and purchased the photograph. And the photograph is currently owned by the Pinkertons. It's in the Library of Congress. When when the uh, files of the Pinkertons were donated to the Library of Congress, this is one of the photographs that were given. But the amazing thing that to go beyond that was Alan Pinkerton recognized here is a picture of the wild bunch that they had taken. So he put it on a wanted poster and it was one of the first uses of photographs on wanted posters was the photograph that the wild bunch actually took themselves. And I'm looking at the photograph as we, (laughs) as we're talking and it's, and it's headed wanted dead or alive. It's got the picture, uh, the photograph of the five guys sitting very prim and proper in their suits and with the wild bunch under it. And it says wanted for robbery of the Butte County Bank and the Union Pacific Express reward of $2,500, $500 each. (laughs) Exactly. And there was another. There was another photograph or another wanted poster that was put out where they actually took the heads of each of the people and 
you know, Robert Leroy Parker, and then it would be a whole description of him, and and that it was, it's a much larger photo, uh, much larger wanted poster that listed each of the five people individually. Huh. But uh, again, it was one of those things where Alan Pinkerton said, "We have the photograph. Let's use it. We'll use our own photograph against him." Absolutely, that's funny. Well, then ta- there's another case that where he got involved with uh, the governor of Idaho. Oh yes. This was in Caldwell, Idaho, in December 30th, 1905. Uh, Frank Stunenberg was the fourth governor of Idaho, and he had retired. He wasn't the governor anymore, was living quietly in town. And he had gone out late at night, had gone over to a hotel, got something to eat. And on the way back, uh, when he opened his gate to his garden, the, uh, an explosive device on the gate exploded and, and killed him. And the town immediately said, who's in town that we need to know about? They started rounding up people, and they rounded up a man named Harvey Orchard, or Harry Orchard. Harry Orchard, was actual name was Albert Horsley, um, and he was the person that had planted this bomb. On January 7th, there was a, a famous telegram that went out to James McParland, James McParland at that time was the superintendent of the Denver office of Pinkerton's. And it says, Governor Gooding desires to see you in Boise immediately. <laughs> that would and, make you take notice. Yeah, yeah, that would make you take notice. And James McParland jumped on a train and went to Boise and met with the governor and was immediately retained to investigate the assassination of uh, Governor Stunenberg. Well, Governor Stunenberg had... He was a very well-liked governor, but he wasn't well-liked by Union forces because the Western Federation of Miners believed that he had sided with owners of mines and made decisions that really didn't benefit organized labor. So they were responsible or blamed, if you will, uh, for the assassination. And James McParland arrived in in Boise and uh, it was a very interesting situation because he walked into the police department and said, I'm here to take over the investigation and assumed the investigation. And the police department allowed him to do so. And when I give talks on this, I ask investigators, how many people has that ever happened to? I walk into the police department and say, I'm here to take over the investigation. Right. Doesn't Never. often happen. Doesn't often happen. <laughs> Doesn't if ever. happen. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't happen, exactly. But uh, he took over the investigation and started talking with uh, Harry Orchard and, and befriended him, and Harry Orchard had, had ultimately identified three people, uh, William Big Bill Haywood, George Pettibone, and Charles Moyer. And Charles Moyer at that time was president of the Western Federation of Miners. Uh, Haywood was the secretary treasurer, and Pettibone was just a, a member of the Western Federation of Miners and was also a, an assassin. He had helped uh, Harry Orchard in other cases. And James McParland, again, I go back to the, the statement from uh, Alan Pinkerton. Alan Pinkerton's, one of his favorite statements was, the end justifies the means. He hmm. really didn't care how you got it done as long as you got it done. And James McParland chartered a train, came to Colorado. Uh, this is where these three people were. The Western Federation of Miners was based out of Colorado. And on February 17th of 1906, he arrested each of these three people. Now, arrested is a, is a legal term. He actually kidnapped them in the middle of the night, 
shackled them, put them on a train, and took them back to Idaho. Hmm. Uh, when they got to Idaho, everybody kind of said, you can't do that. But since you're here, let's have a trial. Right. <laughs> so they went ahead and decided to, to prosecute these, these three individuals. And they were prosecuted. The Western Federation of Miners hired a, a young upcoming attorney named Clarence Darrow. Clarence Darrow was uh, that's a famous a, a name. Fairly new attorney. Yes, that's a very famous name. And it was called the, the, the trial of the century. And whether it was the trial of the century or not, I don't know, but it was definitely the trial of the time. And oh. it went on for several months. Ultimately, uh, all three members of the Western Federation of Miners were acquitted by jury. Uh, Haywood uh, was probably the best known. In 1918, uh, he was uh, indicted uh, by the United States, and uh, along with 101 other members of the IWW, and was charged with sedition and violation of the Espionage Act of 1917 because of activities prior to World War One. And so he fled. He was out on on appeal, fled to Russia, and uh, ultimately died in Russia as a confirmed communist, and is is supposedly buried in the Kremlin. So he uh, was a Pet- spy for the Russians. Yes. Okay. Uh, Pettibone. Pettibone, George Pettibone, was later killed by a bomb, uh, and the, all charges were dropped against Charles Moyer, and Charles Moyer was just never heard of again. He really didn't do anything really big at that time. Hmm. But it was, a, it was a fairly big trial. The Pinkertons were, were involved in it, and uh, James McParland, who was also uh, very famous, uh, working for a couple of years undercover on the Molly Maguire's case in Pennsylvania, which was an undercover case involving organized labor again. But uh, he came to Denver, was called by the governor to come and work this case, and, and did so. Interesting. Well, t- well, you mentioned the Molly Maguires. Why don't you talk about the Molly Maguires a little bit? Who were they? The, the Molly Maguires, again, is an organized labor case. In the Pennsylvania coal mines, the Molly Maguires had come in from Ireland. They were a uh, group of... I guess labor organizers would be a good word for it, but they they took over the conditions. The conditions were really bad in the coal mines, and the Molly Maguires came in, and and over eighty percent of the miners belonged to the Molly Maguires. Well, they they really enforced their will by murder. If the if you didn't do what they wanted done, they would beat you up. They would assault people. They would force intimidation and ultimately murder. And the owners of the mines called Alan Pinkerton to do something about it. And Alan Pinkerton found an individual in James McParland who went undercover with the Molly Maguires. Uh, James McParland was a very educated man. He was very smart. He was hired by the Molly Maguires as a secretary for the organization and ultimately as a treasurer of the organization, which gave him the position to really be to determine what was going on. Over a two-year period, he investigated this organization, compiled uh, lots of information on illegal dealings with the, the Molly Maguire's organization, and ultimately uh, it came to trial. He testified for almost a week. There was no... Um, they, they tried several different ways to break up his testimony. He testified perfectly. Uh, he sentenced that as a result of his testimony, 
they uh, sentenced 10 people to, uh, to the gallows. Hmm. They sentenced several other people to prison and broke up the Molly Maguires. Uh, Alan, P uh, Alan Pinkerton realized, and so did local law enforcement, that McParland was really in danger. So they put full-time cover on him, guards. Uh, he was protected. He took about a year off and then was sent from Pennsylvania to Denver to run the Denver office and get him out of that area. Interesting. And, uh, he was recognized as, some people call him the detective extraordinaire or the superior detective. because, like yeah, I said, he, We've actually featured McParland on P.I.'s Declassified as a uh, blast from the past from yeah. P.I. Museum. Yeah. 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 yeah I do a lot of work with... Uh, with Ben Harold at the PI Museum, and we kind of compare notes, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, James McParland is a very interesting character to, to, to really look at what he does. Well, Pinkerton had their hands in a lot of things. I'm looking at a, a piece of paper here with their various things, like the Jewelers Security Alliance. He's a member of the Jewelers Security Alliance for Protection Against Burglary, sneak theft, and hold up. <laughs> Pinkerton's actually detective agency. And then one that says the Chicago Motor Club, protected by Pinkerton's. And um, the Cleveland Auto Club, I guess it is. Yes, it is. So, yeah, so they, had, uh, they were doing a lot of things. And, of course, um, many books and many movies have been um, made about what the Pinkertons did, not necessarily by name, but the story about what was going on. One of the biggest things that, that the Pinkertons did involved the, uh, uh, the American Turf Club. We, the, before you start that, Ray, we need to take a quick bait. Would you mind hanging on to that thought? Sure, sure I can do that. All right. Stay tuned. Private Investigator Ray Pizzle, and I'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? 
The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Ray Peasalt has been providing interesting tidbits and a historical perspective about the founding of the private investigation profession. And Ray, I just cut you off mid-sentence. You're going to just talk about the Turf Club and Alan Pinkerton. Go ahead with that. Sure. Alan Pinkerton had two sons, William and Robert Pinkerton, which took over for him as he got older. And Robert Pinkerton was a big fan of horse racing. And Alan and, and William and Robert always saw an opportunity. So Robert went to the New York Turf Club and said, there's a lot of crime going on in horse racing. There were uh, horses were being exchanged, bids were being fixed. There were a lot of different things that were going on. So they actually put together an operation to work with the American Turf Club. They cataloged every horse racing at that time. And again, they used mug shots and they used measurements and they used uh, a lot of things. Today would be DNA, but they didn't have it at that time, but they uh, also put together a group that provided everything from ushers and ticket takers hmm. to people that would actually investigate outside crime against horse racing and inside crime, people, jockeys and horse trainers and those type of people. Uh, they had thousands of employees that specialized just working for the American Turf Club and the racing industry because Robert Pinkerton was a fan of, of horse racing. Interesting. That's great. Uh, I I saw a thing the other day where milk uh, milk cases, metal milk cases, and on the side of them it says protected by the Pinkertons. Really? They got into anything that would make money. <laughs> now, is there a Pinkerton museum? Is there a Pinkerton museum? Not yeah. that I'm not that I'm aware of, other than probably at my house. <laughs> I see. Okay, so PI Museum um, with curator Ben Harold is really the only place to go, really, to get. Right. Ben is, or look at artifacts on Pinkerton. Yeah, Ben is pretty passionate about collecting information about the Pinkertons and has been collecting a lot of uh, information and uh, tidbits of, of memorabilia. The files from the Pinkerton, when the company was originally sold, the company is now owned by Securitas Security. But when the company was sold, the files were donated to the Library of Congress, and there's an extensive library there, a collection mm. at the Library of Congress, which is the old files of the of the Pinkertons. But a lot of the memorabilia and stuff, it's being sold on eBay and, and a lot of the auctions and stuff, and a lot of people have it and collect it, and 
I can't believe the number of times that I'm told that the Pinkertons no longer exist. But <laughs> they're still here. I get a paycheck every week there every right. two weeks, and it has their name on top of it. So Right. Well, but, also, oh, I guess I probably should mention Ralph Thomas, who owns and operates P.I. Mall and Thomas Publications. I believe he also has some Pinkerton artifacts. Right. And there's most people that are doing anything with private investigators are going to have some artifacts because, like I said, anybody can be next, but only one can be first. That's right. The Pinkertons are definitely the first, and there's a lot of history and there's a lot of artifacts out there. Well, I'm just looking at the list of accomplishments, uh, some of the accomplishments, many of the accomplishments, but you mentioned they were the first to use mug shots, which was just the cutting edge at the time, of course. We think it's just normal for us, but it was the cutting edge then. They had the first criminal index files. They started indexing criminals so they could track them. They had the largest news intelligence files in the nation. Um, The FBI was modeled after Pinkerton's. Um, I understand the New York Police Department copied the Pinkerton badge design. Yes. I've been trying to do a lot of research about that. The, the badge design that we have, has a, it's called the 101 badge, and it's, it's, it is the Pinkerton or the New York style badge, what is, is now referred to as the New York style badge. And I've tried to do some research through the Library of Congress and some other things in reference to that. But the story is that New York copied the Pinkerton badge design and and used it for their badge design. Hmm. Obviously very unique, and I think people recognize it. Yeah, I would say so. I, You know, it's uh, it's in TV shows all the time. <laughs> exactly. I see it all the time. Exactly. <laughs> well, Ray, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, I'd like to just uh, tell everybody that uh, rumors of our death are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> The company is here. It is still working. It is very viable. It's uh, now owned by another company, but uh, they did retain the name. We are still available. We're still still working, and the oldest, largest investigation agency is still around. Well, thank you. And this this really show really wasn't meant to be a promotion on Pinkerton, but it is very interesting that they are still around after over 150 years and that they were in, involved in um, iconic images that we know well, like President Abraham Lincoln, Wells Fargo, um, Butch, Sun, um, Butch Cassidy and the Suntance Kid, Jesse James, all of those things that we've all grown up with knowing about is uh, really fascinating. And I really appreciate you taking the time today to, Ray, to be on the show. And Thank as, you. as an aside, it was great to see several of the PIs declassified sponsors at the various conferences earlier this month. Rebecca Roberts of IRB Search, Jimmy and Rosemary Messis of PI Magazine, and Ben Harrell, curator of PI Museum. It's through their support and the support of others that makes this show possible. If you're interested in being a sponsor, please send me an email to Francie at PISDeclassified.com. Next week, I'm excited to have security consultant and former World Association of Detectives President, Pakistani Brigadier Retired Rashid Ali Malik, join PIs Declassified to discuss the volatile Middle Eastern region and how it relates to private investigation and private security. So, again, tune in next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening.
You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll be right back. 